believe it or not, and I have, how many know I have a little bit of experience after 4,000 messages just to you, that preaching on love is one of the hardest subjects to preach on. I know that doesn't make sense, but it's hard because everybody thinks they do it. It's like when I go to, uh, go to uh, consult churches and I ask them if they're a friendly church. Every church I've ever consulted said, oh, yeah, we're a friendly church to each other. They're not real friendly to new people and, 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 and strangers when they come in. It's just the way it is, but they don't realize it. But I think, how many believe we could all work on relationships? How many believe we can all work on love a little bit more? How many know there's things we could do? Because, if you, because love is not a feeling, it's a decision. And we make that decision to love each other and not just to say it, but to find ways to demonstrate it, to actually be intentional about that. But let's get into this because you'll understand what I'm saying. Because here, let's, let's go to Jude Verse 3 and 4, you can pick any chapter you want. It says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend, say contend, earnestly for the faith. Now, when we think about contending for the faith, we think about getting our doctrine right. But is that really what he's saying? That's part of it. But he said, Contending for the faith which was once for all delivered to all the saints. Mm -hmm. For certain men have crept in unnoticed Mm -hmm. who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, back in the day, just maybe as early as 15, 20 years ago, when we read this scripture, we thought about, well, let's, let's watch everyone who comes in because they're, they're sheep wearing, or no, there are wolves wearing sheep's clothing. That, the other way doesn't happen a lot. We used to think, let's just be careful who joins us, you know, because people can come in and cause division, false prophets or whatever. And, that, and we still got to watch that. But you know what? They're not coming through the door anymore. They're coming through the Internet. They're coming through the television set. Because it used to be our whole religious experience just kind of revolved around Sunday morning. But now you can turn the TV on, and, and they're not just on Christian stations. They're all over the place. And they're, they're, inf- they're not so much infiltrating our numbers, but they're infiltrating our minds. And, 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 and as a pastor, we have to compete with all kinds of doctrines and all kinds of devils and all kinds of stuff that we listen to. And God only knows what you're listening to. The Lord only, you know, all, all the families in the church, who knows what everyone believes. And, and sometimes, how many know, sometimes weird things can get into the body of Christ. That's the last day attack that we're, that we're de- having to deal with. But listen, it's not just about doctrine. It's really about how we treat each other. And that's seeping into the body of Christ. All the way back to Genesis. I mean, right at the beginning. God said, it is not good for man to be alone. What I want to get across to you, you know, it was not meant for man to be alone. You know, God created Adam, but he took Eve out of Adam. It's, it's, like, it's like he didn't really create Eve from scratch. And, and so I've got to, I've got to, this is kind of weird, but the way I look at it is, is Adam 
was kind of male and female. But because God said, I'm taking a part of Adam out and forming from that part Eve. So now there's male and female, but not just male and female, but, but fathers and mothers and, and, and just this whole thing, pastors. And, and we just got this whole thing where we need each other and we need to be good to each other because as far as the church down here, we're all we got. My point is God really doesn't bless until we get our act together. I mentioned a few weeks ago that the demonic kingdom is completely unified. You never see a demon rebel. Satan's got his house in order and has for thousands of years. It's the church that has problems with unity. But I, I say all this because we Pentecostals are all about the power, not realizing, and, and I think Pentecostal churches split more than any other churches of any denomination. Aren't you glad that in 39 years this church has never split and we've never had a whole group of people leave mad out of this church and God has kept us together, hallelujah? I, I tell new people as they come into the church, I, you know, as many, I don't know, who knows how many times we try to meet with the elders every month. We've never had a bad meeting in 39 years. We've never had raised voices. We've never had anger in an elders meeting in 39 years. I think this is a peaceful church. And that's why God blesses. And that's why the power of God. Is it okay if I brag on? Because really that's Jesus. And that's you you submitting to Jesus and loving one another. And, and let me put it like this. We've learned how to put up with each other. Because we only have one thing in common in this place. Jesus. And if we'll keep Jesus in our heart, we'll always have the power. Give him praise. Amen. Let's go to Ecclesiastes for our text. Verse 9. Two are better than because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. I've fallen and I can't get up. For he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? One more verse. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. If you want the enemy to stay out of our lives, you need to get twisted with someone else. Ecclesiastes is my text, and it tells us, number one, we have a good reward for our labor. We have a good reward for our labor. If we'll work together, we'll get more things done than everybody just doing their own thing. Acts chapter 2. Uh, just scroll through the verses. You, you, you know that's uh, the day of Pentecost. Why do you think Jesus told the 120 to meet in the upper room to just live? Can you imagine all of us living together for 10 days? We will either have revival or kill each other. For 10 days, they ate and slept and worshiped and prayed. We think, well, they just had little prayer meetings. Yeah, but they lived together for 120 days, for 10 days, I'm sorry, 120 people. And on the 10th day, the Holy Ghost fell. How many know he could have sent the Holy Ghost on 120 people in their own private homes? He could have said, go home and pray for 10 days. These people who say, I don't, you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. You're... <clears throat> 
Well, okay, you can go to heaven without going to church. You can be part of a family and not come to any of the family functions, but they call that a dysfunctional family. So the next time you hear someone say, well, I just pray, yeah, but you're dysfunctional. I didn't say you weren't saved, but you're dysfunctional. Because God, Jesus, left us a family. He left us a church. And that's the way we have to do it. Because we can't get this done unless we do it together. How many want signs, wonders, and powers in the Holy Ghost? Well, it'll only happen if we come together and have a good reward. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I'm going to give you a lot of word. Note takers, catch up. For we are his what? Created for we, not you, we. We are workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. We are created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We have purpose, but our purposes don't get engaged unless we do it together. I think we need to redefine, and we preached this a couple years ago, we need to redefine discipleship and and what maturity means. Because a lot of people think maturity means you know a lot. That's part of it. But just knowing a lot, listen, I I sat under professors who knew a whole lot more about the Bible than than I might know even now. But I wondered if they were even saved. So knowledge is not all that, 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 that's needed. Amen. How do we measure maturity? Well, it's, uh, you remember when the guy came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? So, so, right? If we keep the greatest commandment, I think we're well on our way to being mature. So Jesus answered him, but when he answered him, he, he wouldn't say there was one. He said there's two. There's not one great commandment. If you just have the one commandment, it, the whole thing falls apart. He said, love the Lord their God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And we all go, yes, that's where I'm at. And your neighbor as you. Yeah, there's that. There's not one great commandment. You can't do one without the other. There's people in the world that love people and they do all kinds of charitable things, but they don't like, they don't love God. They don't love God. So you got to love God and your neighbor. The cross has two dimensions. The cross only works with the two commandments. So that's Christian maturity. So I, if I were to ask, how mature are you in the Lord? Then, then my, you know, my question is, how many people do you love? How many people do you have problems with? How many people have you not forgiven? Let's get into the scriptures real quick. We'll just, we might just have to read them. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And brethren, I, 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 and I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. So here's the definition. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. So we often think about, you know, I need the meat of the word, right? There's three levels. There's milk, bread, and meat. And a lot of times we say, well, that preacher, that preaching, that was meat or that was milk or that was bread. But is it really the preaching we're talking about? Watch this. For until now you were not able to receive it, even now you were still not able By the way, you know why I can preach deep messages? Because you receive it. You can't preach like this everywhere you go. For you are still carnal. Why? How are they carnal? What what determines carnality? For where there's envy, strife, and divisions, you are carnal. Not a lack of knowledge. The inability to get along. And you're behaving like mere men. 
That means God expects us to behave better than people in the world. John 13, 35. Watch this. But this all will know that you are my disciples because you've got all your doctrines straight. If you love one another. A discipleship, a disciple is someone who loves people. Period. There's no plan B here. That's it. Galatians 5, 6. Are you getting this? I know you're not shouting. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncertain, it doesn't matter, avails anything. But faith works through. I've heard of people praying against people. I've heard people talk about their pastors. Thank God. I don't know that I ever heard it here. Or if I did, it never hit me. But I've, I've heard, they don't like their pastor, and they say, I'm praying against him. That is a curse, not a prayer. You don't pray against people. I don't know, though, you know, the only thing you're, the only thing the Bible tells you to resist is the devil. Oh, come on, church. Give him a praise if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Number two, we carry each other. Galatians, go back to Galatians. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. What does it say? What? Bear one another's burdens. It's not like, oh, that's too bad about sister so-and-so. I knew that was coming. No, I know. We're supposed to bear one another's burdens, and that's how you fulfill the law of Christ. That's how, you, that's how you become obedient, by bearing one another's burdens. We're in a society where we avoid other people's problems at all costs. We've got our own problems. I think the devil just loads us up with problems just for the reason that we won't have time, energy, or the knowledge, or the grace, or the love to bear anyone else's burdens. I want to encourage you as the church here, Journey Life Center, let's find ways to bear one another's burdens. Say, well, that's what we pay you to do. That is a lie from the pits of hell. I do not have shoulders that big. We have to bear one another's burdens. Can I get a good amen? I, 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 like, I don't know if you remember this, uh, th- th- this uh, Special Olympics, and they were running a race. There was about eight or nine of them, and they were running a race, and one of them fell. This was several years ago, and one of them fell. And the other seven or eight, however many there were, they're almost to the finish line, and they looked, and they saw one of their own fell, and all of them just stopped running and went back and picked him up, and they all walked across the line together. Oh, what a picture. What a picture that is. There's a counselor named uh, Larry Crabb, Christian counselor, and he said something astonishing in his counseling ministry. He said 90% of people's problems could be solved if they just had a good friend. If they just had a good friend. They didn't have to come to a counselor. They'd have been fine. Number three. We need to keep each other warm. You know, back then, that was an issue. You know, just trying to find, you know, how do you, how many know they didn't have thermostats? Do you know that, you know when the chimney was invented? In the, in the, in the 1100s, what did they do for 5,000 years before? They didn't have chimneys. They had weird fireplaces, but they didn't have chimneys. I mean, how do you stay warm? When it's cold, I mean, it's a constant issue. So the Bible addresses this. We got to get into the, the mindset here. But listen, I don't know that we need to keep each other warm, especially with COVID. <laughs> we, don't, we, we don't need to keep each other warm. But when we talk about keeping each other warm, I mean, I mean just meeting other people's needs. So, sometimes a hug can really change someone's entire day or life. Just caring about somebody 
just keeping each other warm. And we're not just talking about the church, you know, all the food that we pass out. What is that? 12,000 boxes of food now has been passed out. That keeps the community warm. But listen, loving people is not just nice. Keeping people warm keeps people alive. And when we love our community, that passing out food does the church more good than it does them good. It makes us warm. It, listen, when we love our community, the results don't matter. When we love our community, mm, Jesus blesses the church. We enjoy the power and presence of God because we love everybody out there. I don't know about you, but everyone's welcome in this church. I don't know that you heard what I just said. Everyone, I don't care what their lifestyle is. I don't care what they're wearing. I don't care where they've been. I don't care what their thought process is. Doesn't matter what their doctrine is. Doesn't matter what they think we should do. If anyone walks through that door, they got my hug. Do they have yours? Come on, church. Come on. Because, listen, it's not just, well, you know, oh, let's just love everybody. No, that's where the power is. And once we, we're never going to see signs, wonders, and miracles unless we truly love each other and love this world. Jesus died for sinners. What are you going to do? Give him praise. Amen. I, I won't, uh, you could scroll through 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and just, I won't read it. But, but you remember when they were having communion problems at Corinth. They're having communion problems. And, and, and the thing of it was, uh, the, the slaves, um, uh, you were either a slave person or free, but God was saving everybody. And for the first time in history, slaves were sitting at the same table as their masters, and while they were in church, they were equal. <laughs> I mean, this is mind-blowing for the early church. But the thing of it is, slaves worked until, you know, late, till the sun went down. Wealthy people were free to come at a normal time. They would come, bring all the food, and, and then by the time the late shift came, all the food was gone. And Paul fussed at it. Paul fussed. He said, when you come together, it, is, is that back at the beginning? Yes. Uh, my brother, when you come together to eat, what? Wait. Wait for each other. Go back to verse 27. There might be something there. Therefore, whoever eats this drink or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthy will be guilty. So we've always had this thing about make sure there's no sin in your life when you receive communion. And we all know that to be true. But do you know which sin he's specifically talking about? <laughs> How are you unworthy? Let a man examine himself. Okay? Because you're not discerning the Lord's body. You know what the sin was? They were receiving communion and saying we're the body of Christ when they didn't care about each other. Now, now, any, now, if there's any sin in your life, you shouldn't be doing communion. And by the way, it's easy to take care of that. Just do it and mean it. Ask God's forgiveness before you receive communion. But I'm here to tell you, the sin he's talking about, that for this reason, many are weak and sick in the church. There's no power in the church because there's not enough love in the church. Many are weak and sick, and many have died because there's no love and unity in the church. 
Is this serious? Yes, this is serious. It's time that we find ways to keep each other warm. James chapter 5 and, and verse 14. Is any, uh, any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. How many have read that scripture? And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed any sins, he will be forgiven. There's the connection. Confess your trespasses. Now, be careful who you, trespass, who you confess to. Don't confess to the church gossip. Find someone spiritually mature. But confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be. Did you, do you realize there's a connection between the forgiveness of sins and the physical healing of bodies in the body of Christ? That if there's sin in the house, sin in the camp, there's not going to be healing in the camp. If we don't love each other and care about each other and carry one another's burdens, he's not going to heal us. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. But how many believe we could see more? Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Praise God. We're going to see more. God is about to do some, light, some great thing. Here's the last point. We are stronger together. The Bible says we're stronger together. I love the book of Nehemiah, right? They're coming home from Babylon after the 70-year captivity. Verse 6, so we built the wall, and the entire wall was, say, joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Now it happened when Samballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored. When the devil heard that Journey Life Center is not decreasing but increasing, when the devil heard that Journey Life Center is seeing cancer healed in the name of Jesus, when the devil heard that there's, that, that there's a church that's been in revival since May, every Sunday, every service, the presence and power of God's been falling. When Oh, hallelujah. When the devil heard that there's a church where people really do love each other and rally around each other and take care of each other. Oh, yeah, the devil's heard. When he heard the walls were being restored, the gaps were beginning to be closed. They became angry, and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create. Nevertheless, and nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them, we set a watch against them. How many know we need some prayer warriors on the wall? We need some prophets on the wall. We need some seers on the walls. Jesus. All of them conspired to come create confusion, right? Next verse. Then Judas said, the praisers, the strength of the laborers is failing. Oh, if we've ever been in a time, that's it. We're just getting tired. You know, just when we thought we have a breakthrough with this thing, it's, is it going to hit again? God, can you imagine having to go through this again? I don't know. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. Judas said that the strength of the laborers is failing. We just get tired. And there's so much rubbish. There's just so much, so much junk to have to deal with today. So much rubbish. Listen, from my perspective, things that we used to deal with once or twice a year, we deal with on a monthly basis now. It's getting weird out there. There's so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. There's so much stuff in the way we can't do what God wants us to do. Therefore, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the, how many know there's openings sometimes? And I set the people according to their, 
Every family has a place, a spot in the body of Christ. I said every family has a spot, a place in Journey Life Center with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your houses. Church, it's time to rise up in prayer and resist the devil and fight. It's time to fight. We can't be passive in this society anymore. I'm not talking about being ugly. I'm not talking about, I'm, I'm just talking about standing in the name of the Lord and believe what we believe. Loving the world, but standing firm. I will not be moved. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing. And God had brought their plot that all of us returned to the wall. And everyone to his work. (laughs) So it was from that time on that half of the sermons worked at construction and the other half held the spears, shields, and bows and wore armor. Half you need to build the church and the other half needed to defend us. Hallelujah. And they wore armor and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. It's time for the leadership to be examples of what it is to be a child of God in the church. So it was from that time on. I already said that. That it? No. Those who, built, those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other hand they held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built and the other and the one who sounded the trumpet There's someone with a trumpet. Actually, we all have a trumpet. Watch this. Watch this. I said to the nobles and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Listen, we're only together for an hour. The rest of the week, we're separated physically. But listen. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. <laughs> Come on up, guys. Whenever you hear the trumpet, what's the trumpet? When you get, get an email about somebody needing prayer, that's a trumpet blowing. When we hear someone's going through a tragedy, that's the trumpet blowing. Come on, church. When we hear that there's a problem in the church, we don't leave the church. We, 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 we rally. Because I want to give you something here. I want to give you that. I want you to understand this. The enemy is not just attacking you to attack you. He knows if he can defeat you, he hasn't just defeated you. He's made a hole in the wall. Oh, y'all, y'all aren't getting it. Y'all, I don't know that you're, how many are getting this. How many? He's not after you. He's after us. I said he's not after you. He's after us. He's not just trying to kill you and your family. Don't just send around, oh, woe is me. Yeah, yeah, we're all going through it. Because the enemy is testing for weakness. 
He's pressing here and he's pressing there. Listen, I've met, I, I, this, there's, there's a whole strategy and philosophy of how to take a city. And you always, if you're going to take a city, you always need to find the weakest place. Come on, church. Hallelujah. And that's why we need to stay together. That's why you listen, that's why you don't need to be like, I don't need them. I'm just going, just me and Jesus. Go hug your trees. Just me and Jesus. Oh, yeah. You know what? When you're all by yourself, you're called a target. I don't need the church. Bye. When the devil attacks, don't mention our name. Because he's looking for a weak spot. He's looking for a door that's left unopened. He's looking for a wall that wasn't rebuilt. He's trying to find someone somewhere that's, that, that, that doesn't care. Because once he finds a hole in the wall, he can send all his army through the wall. And he can take a city if he just has one hole. If you want to powerful church moving in the power of the Holy Spirit every Sunday if you want to see the glory fall if you want to see signs and wonders if you want to see the, the sick we need a move we need a move of God if you, if we, uh, if you want to see the dead raised if you want to see the glory if you're just here because you're guilty when you're not here you're missing it you need to come with expectation. You need to come to believing that God's going to do something great every Sunday. We come through that wall, we come through that door, believing and trusting and worshiping. We're not waiting for our favorite song. <laughs> because really, you have to be able to worship without music. <laughs> I mean, if if the music's a hindrance, turn it down. Whatever you gotta do. But I'm here to tell you it's time for this church to worship together like we've never been together. We might be way ahead of a lot of things, and God's doing great things here at Journey Life Center. But I'm telling you, I just, I'm just burdened, and I'm weeping for churches that are down 50%. They don't, know, they don't even know where they are. Where's my people? Money's down. They can't pay the bills, mortgages. The banks are reclaiming churches. 1,500 churches a month are going under. This church of Jesus Christ has been around for 2,000 years. It has faced worse. It has been under greater persecution. There are churches even in today's world that are facing much greater persecution. They're having to meet in secret. There's all kinds of things going on. They say 30,000 people are being saved in Africa every day. Not 3,000 like at Pentecost. 30,000 Africans are being saved every single day. I'm saying, oh, God, send the cyclone to America. Send it to America. It might have to get darker before it comes. I don't know. And I'll tell you something, else. It really doesn't matter who's in the White House or who's the governor. What matters is, are God's people on their knees? And are we loving each other? And are we standing together like we're supposed to stand together? Or are we just too busy fussing and judging and criticizing? I'm going to wait till you say amen. <laughs> I already told you, this church has experienced unity for 39 years. Oh, we've had our moments. Because <laughs> it only takes one. You know? I'm not saying we're perfect. But God's doing I believe. Am I just prejudiced? Or, I believe God is doing something unique and special here. I really do. I really do. We're not better than other people. 
We're not better. We're not a better. God, I, that elitist attitude, I don't want that. I hate that. All I know is I don't care what any other church is doing. This church is going to scale the wall. This church is going to build the wall. This church is going to work together. This church is going to love each other. This church is going to bear one another's burdens. We're going to keep each other warm. We're going to help each other. We're going to defeat the enemy of our soul. But we got to do it together. It's time to rise up in prayer. If there's a prayer meeting, go to it. If there's a way to get together in fellowship, then get together. Let's stop being so busy. Why is God? Why is God the last thing on the schedule?